How many of you always go home the same way? You know, it's good for our brains to take a different path places sometimes. We've only lived here two and a half years. We we're still learning our way around. In fact, I found a new way to get someplace just the other day that's pretty neat. But there are many, many paths we can take usually to the different destinations we want to get to. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But also I want us to think about the fact that here we are in 2019, right? We're in 2019. We are in a postmodern world. And of course, postmodernism teaches that, well, whatever you think is okay is okay. Whatever you want to believe, that's okay, you know? Now, there are many, many different things we can believe, and, and in some cases, like if I'm going to go from here to the Alamo, there are many different paths I can take. But if I want to go from here to that door right over there, there are several paths I could take, but there's really only one that's direct and will get me right there in an efficient manner. So even though there are many paths to certain places, there are some that work better than others. And we can see that around us, right? We all get to make choices. Some of us have chosen poorly. At, I, I, well, I guess I'll say all of us have probably chosen poorly at times. But when we look around, we can see in person's lives that some people continue to make bad choices and suffer the results. Before we start our sermon text passage, I thought it was apropos because this ties in so well with what we're reading to read a passage from Paul because I, have, I was talking to the youth in Sunday school this morning and reminded them that there's some folks in our faith who believe that Paul contradicts Jesus and vice versa, but they don't. They don't. They are both spot on on the same things. They just express them in different ways. And hopefully you'll see that this morning in part of this. I'm reading from Romans, the first chapter, starting with verse 20. Consider the word of the Lord. Ever since the creation of the world, His eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things He has made. Let me read that again. Okay? Ever since the creation of the world, His eternal power and divine nature invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. So they are without excuse, for though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools 
And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Our sermon text this morning comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. If you want to read along, I don't know what page it's on, but you can find it. I, 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 uh, I trust that all of you know that Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and, uh, and if you don't, you do now. Right? So, and, uh, and the second chapter, that's pretty much the chapter between chapter 1 and chapter 3. So... And the first verse is pretty much where chapter 2 starts. So, here we go. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men, okay, your Bible has a little superscript G after that, after where it says wise men. And if you read the footnote, it says astrologers, right? Magi. Matthew wrote Magi here. Matthew did not write white. Didn't easy for me to say. Matthew did not write wise men. Matthew did not write kings. Matthew did not write the three stooges or anything like that. He wrote Magi. From the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them, he secretly called the Magi, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
and having been warned in a dream, and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who created the heavens and the earth, all that we see, all that we perceive. God who gives us life, sustains our life, and preserves us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, first I got to say that uh, today's Epiphany, right? January the 6th, the manifestation of the Lord. We celebrate this because this is the time that we celebrate the Magi coming to see the King. But it's also a good place for us to, to get a little Christian history. And again, in light of the fact that we live in a world where anything goes, I believe it's imperative that we know what we stand for and that we know what's going on in the world. <clears throat> Until the 4th century, 325, when Constantine was emperor in Rome, Jesus' birth was celebrated on the 6th of January, on Epiphany. But Constantine got converted to Christianity, but as, as do a lot of people when they get converted to Christianity, they don't leave all their other beliefs and baggage aside. So Constantine decided it would be a good idea to celebrate Jesus' birth on the 25th of December, which coincides with a Roman festival of Sol Invictus, a festival for the sun. And Constantine did that, made it the law, and the Western Church has followed that tradition ever since, ever since. The, the Eastern Church still celebrates Christmas today, today, on the 6th of January, on Epiphany. So it's good that we know our history. I, I, uh, I, I would go along with Paul in, when he talks about the Sabbath. The important thing is not necessarily when we observe something, but that we observe it, that we continue to observe it. So, and of course, the, the simple fact of the matter is, in any of our history books or anything like that, we really don't know when Jesus was born, right? He might have been born on the 4th of July, for all we know, you know. But, uh, but in any case, we celebrate his birth on the 25th of December or the 6th of January in most Christian congregations. A few other things I want to point out here that, uh, that have grown up in our traditions around us. And they're not necessarily bad, but it's good that we know what's going on, right? Most of us in here don't believe in Santa Claus, right? Can I take that as a given? You know? But we still enjoy the, the folklore, the, the, the things with the kids and all that. And that's fine. There's nothing, there's nothing particularly wrong with that as long as we don't think it's really the truth, right? As long as we don't think it's really the truth. So... We have probably have just put away all of our Christmas decorations, you know, 
and and many of us have the the manger scene there, right? With Mary and Joseph and the baby and the and the cattle lowing and the shepherds and the magi, right? All there. Didn't happen that way, right? In Matthew's gospel that we just read, how many shepherds were there? How many sheep were there? How many stables were there? Zero, right? A goose egg on all of those. There weren't even any angels. They followed a star. Okay? So uh, I just point this out, that we as Christians understand our Scripture and understand what we're doing and that we're careful to keep Scripture separated from mythology. That's a, that's a good enough word for it uh, as far as that goes. <clears throat> Now the other thing I wanted to um, I want us to think about here is is this whole deal about magi. I made a point of it because it is important. And again, this is a tradition that's grown up. And uh, as as I've pointed out before, I know in past epiphanies, how many of these magi did Matthew say there were? He doesn't, right? He doesn't. And again, that's a difference between the Western Church and the Eastern Church. In the Western Church. We typically say there were three, and in the Eastern Church, they have a much better abundance mentality than we do. They say there were twelve. You know? So, uh, so, so, uh, so that's a that's a that's a positive thing. That's a good thing uh, that they think there were twelve. But none of us know. None of us know. Now, what what is a magi anyway? A magi was an astronomer is what they were or in those days astronomy and astrology weren't particularly segregated as they are these days so, but so these these people were people who watched the stars they watched the stars they were astronomers and most likely they were Zoroastrians which was the ancient religion of Persia but look at this, and I, and I encourage the earlier service to do this too. I encourage all of you, read this passage, these 12 verses in Matthew. Read them every day this week and look for insights in them and think about it and think about what paths you typically go down when you read these passages and the new paths that they open up to your mind if you look at them objectively and look at what the words really say as opposed to what we think they might say. So the Magi were priests, astronomers. They weren't kings by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't even, I, I don't even really understand any way that one could read this passage and, and transmute them into kings. But there we have it. We have, we have this tradition, and when we even... Anyway, I won't, I won't go there. They are astronomers. They're scientists. They're scientists, and they're astronomers, and they practice a different religion altogether. There's nothing Jewish about these guys in any shape, form, or fashion. But look at what's happening here. 
This is amazing. This is one of the biggest miracles in the whole Bible. This is amazing. They are to the east of Jerusalem. They're watching the stars, and they understand that a new king of the Jews has been born. I mean, I mean, just think about that a minute. Just think about that. They're not Jewish. They're not looking for a Messiah, per se. But by observing the heavens, by observing the things that God made, like we read about in Romans chapter 1 a minute ago, the stuff around us, something was revealed to them about God and God's purposes. So they head over to Jerusalem. They get to Jerusalem and they look up the guy that's in charge, right? Herod. And uh, Herod's an interesting character too, but uh, I encourage you to read about Herod. He was a mean, mean guy. And he probably one of the reasons, one of the things that led to his meanness was he had ten wives. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine that? You know? So, no, so no, no wonder he was such a horrible character. But, but anyway, they go to Herod because he is, and make no mistake, in Matthew's narrative here, we do have kings. They're just not the guys on the camels with the gifts. The kings are Herod and Jesus, right? They're the kings in this story. So the magi go to the king, the guy in charge, and look at what they tell him. He is the Jewish king at this time. He is the king there in Judea. He doesn't know that the Messiah has been born. So some astronomers that practice another religion from another country come and tell Herod that the Messiah has been born. Wow. And Herod said, well, gee whiz, I don't know where this guy is going to be born, so let me talk to my wise men. Here are the real wise men in this narrative. The wise men are the scholars, the scribes and the Pharisees, the ones who studied the Scripture. If you want to be a wise person, study the Scripture. That's how you become a wise person. Herod consulted these people, and he said, where's the Messiah going to be born? And they said, oh, wise King Herod, you know, it's in uh, the prophet Micah said that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. So the Magi head over to Bethlehem. But again, the wise men, the one who had studied the scriptures even, had missed the sign. They didn't realize the Messiah had been born either. They got told the Messiah had been born just like Herod got told the Messiah had been born by Gentiles who didn't know anything about their faith. Wow. And then, and then, and then what does it say next? It says that the, the Magi showed up at the stable, right? No. It says the Magi showed up at the house. At the house. And they went in there and they worshipped the child. They worshipped the child. The Magi are a perfect example of servant leadership. 
they bow down before the true king, the king of kings, the lord of lords, and pay him homage. And then what do they become? They become the first missionaries to go back to their land and tell them about the Messiah. Now what had changed in their path? It said they returned home by a different road. They returned home by a different road. Why did they go by this different road? Because the Holy Spirit had told them in a dream, in a dream, not to go back the other way because Herod would, would get them, you know, because he was a bad guy. So notice the transformation there. See, here's the rub. And Matthew's reminding us, you can't have an encounter with the King of Kings, with the Messiah, with the Savior, without having a transformation in your life. And when you have that transformation in your life, no longer do you have to rely on earthly kings or earthly scholars or even the signs that are around us in nature. But you get direct revelation from God through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. And that'll put you on a different path. And so what do you think they told those people when they got back to Persia? They told them about the Messiah. I want you to remember there are many, many paths we can take to many different destinations. But if we want to seek God and God's kingdom, the surest, best path is to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and follow it. Amen.